0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Hey, bless the Lord. I'm excited to see faces. I mean, I'm more excited to see your face than you see my face, I'm sure. Bless the Lord. Hey, listen, um, I, I think the Lord gave me a word for us today. And that that means I'm sort of off the hook for what you take away, (laughs) but you're very much on the hook. So um, Pastor Greg started a a series a long time ago, probably in the spring, Uh, a couple of Januaries ago. Uh, We're we're in the, uh, we're going, we're walking through the Gospel of John and uh, uh, we started uh most recently the chapter seven so that's where we're going to camp a little bit today um but then we started chapter seven and then we had a huge break talking about hopelessness which was important for our fellowship so um you know i i just want to pray for us before i i go into the word is that fair heavenly father we thank you that your word is true we thank you that your word is alive and active, and that your word is designed to cut us, to cut into us, and to divide the, our, our, the bone from the marrow, as it speaks. It, it's designed to tell us the truth. So we're thankful that your word is designed to be surgical, and your your love for us is demonstrated not by our comfort but by how you build our character and how you will grow us into your people. Today, I ask that you would let your oil, the oil of your Holy Spirit to come upon us and heal our ears to hear and our eyes to see your word more clearly. We thank you. We thank you for your anointing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to move this just because it's distracting me and I have my ADHD is... <laughs> One. <laughs> Apologies, should have done this before. <laughs> okay. Hey, so um, with with your permission, uh, like to, today's section is actually uh, John chapter seven, starting at verse thirty one through thirty six, and the the title of this series is Jesus, or excuse me, the crowd divided. Jesus, undivided. or are not divided, something like that. Did I go, go, go close? Right. Um, the the title for day today is Jesus crashes the party that he's hosting. <laughs> Jesus crashes the party that he's hosting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But if, if, with your permission, I'd like to back up a little bit because some of us weren't here throughout. And I want to make sure that I can speak louder than the sirens. I'm a teacher. I can do it. I have power. So I'd like to back up a little bit. So let's begin with this. 5,781 years ago, in Jewish tradition, God created Adam. 3,300 years ago, The Redeemer God liberated the people of Israel from slavery out of Egypt. As I recall, it was the spring. The Deliverer God called Moses to lead the Jewish slaves out of Egypt. Each household was to slaughter a lamb and smear its blood on the doorframe of their houses. The just God executed judgment on the firstborn of every Egyptian. But when He saw the blood of the Lamb he passed over that house covenant God directed Moses to build a tabernacle for God's presence to dwell the temporary tent was completed God's God directed the people to call a column a solemn assembly at the beginning of the seventh month trumpets were blown there were ten days of repentance atoning God would proclaim that he paid the price for Israel's freedom Then a cloud covered the tent of of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For 1,300 years, at the time of Jesus, the Jews had practiced and rehearsed that story. They knew that in the spring they would celebrate the Passover. And they knew in the fall they would celebrate the blowing of the trumpets a time of repentance, the atoning work of, of the saving God, and a time of celebration of God's presence in their midst. Now what's important to us today is this. Our story is about one of those feasts. Now as it, as it happens today, we are in the midst of the time of repentance. Repentance. Last Saturday was the blowing of the trumpets. We call it Yom Teruah. The blowing of the trumpets. We're in the midst of 10 days of repentance. So if you feel a tug of your heart, not just from what I'm saying, if you feel like God has been speaking to you about lifestyle, culture, stuff in your life, maybe there's a reason for that. Tonight, in their their celebration, begins the most solemn day, the most holy day of the year. It's It's called Atonement or Yom Kippur. It is a time where people who have repented have their year set for the Lord. And those who do not repent, judgment can come upon them. Pretty serious. Sort of important to make a choice, don't you think? But then next week, starting on Friday night, they begin a seven-day period called Sukkot. And that is when the tabernacle was filled. That's when God inhabits the people. And the people make temporary dwellings out. And they stay there and they, they accept the presence of God in their life. It is a glorious time. It's the only solemn feast where they're required to rejoice. Another reason why I bring this up is to give you knowledge so that you can have understanding. The Gospel of John chapter, chapter 7 says that Jesus was going to a feast and it's called the Feast of Sukkot. It is all about the presence of God actually in your life. How many people rely on God's presence in their life? Only a few of you. I want to change that today. I want to tell you that without the presence of God in your life, you are not prepared for the life God wants you to have. Our life in Christ is all about His presence inside. Right, So that's that's got to be the message you hear. If you don't hear anything else, if you leave right now, you might have heard the message. God wants you to have His presence inside of you. So I'm going to do a a small recap of of John chapter 7. Jewish leaders were watching in verse 10. In verse 12 and 13, crowds were whispering and they were fearful. Some thought he was a good man. Some thought he was a, a, a fraud or deceiver. In verse 14, Jesus teaches in the temple court. It says that he came midway of the the feast day. So it's a seven-day feast, and in the middle he showed up. And, And that's a question I want to ask is, why would Jesus come halfway in the midst of a feast? We have to ask that question, why? We'll answer it later, maybe. In verse 15 the audience were amazed at him and they said how can he be so learned to teach he doesn't have the education And Jesus said some some cutting things he said I was it's not my teaching I've been sent to you Jesus was speaking to these people that says I've been commi- there's a commission I have been com- there's a commission for me to go out and speak the word to you it's not just my message but he said, but you guys are trying to kill me. So the crowd, their response is, you're demon possessed. Who would want to kill you? Later on, some of the crowd said, isn't this the guy that people, they're trying to kill? And, and other people said, well, if they're trying to kill him and the Jewish leaders are letting him teach, maybe they think he's the Messiah. Scenario reminded me of a melodrama. There's a hero, there's a villain, there's booing, there's hissing, there's chasing and missing and chasing and missing and chasing and missing. There's confusion, there's whispering, shouting, accusation, name calling, acceptance, confusion, fear, amazement. We don't have any of that today. So let's just talk a little bit about what Jesus is doing. When we talk about Jesus coming into the temple, and, and in, the, in the outer courts He starts teaching, and people are amazed. They didn't know what to think of Him. They were confused. And maybe some of us are confused. Maybe we have different ideas of who Jesus is in our life. Maybe there's a view that Jesus is somebody who can meet all my needs. Maybe Jesus is that guy that gets me out of hell free card. Maybe that's who Jesus is. The people of Israel didn't have a place to put Jesus in a box. And it struck me, like, why is that? Why is this guy to some a prophet and to some he's a scoundrel? Why didn't all the people just see him for who he was? See, we have years of perspective and a faith in us that says, oh, no, Jesus is the guy. Why why were they so confused? So, I have a question for us. Why did Jesus come midway of the festival? Why were the Pharisees and Jewish leaders so opposed to him? Why were there whisp- why were they whispering and afraid of the Jewish leaders? See, one of the things it said early on is that the people were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Is anybody here afraid of Pastor Gray? Good man. Anybody afraid of what I think about your faith? And I want to tell you that if there's fear from leadership, you know what that is. See, we we have been trained that if there's fear inside of a religious organization, we call that a cult. Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, when he came into Israel, when he was incarnated, he came into a religious system that had become a cult. Because the Jewish leaders controlled and dictated what people would believe. They were afraid to say Jesus was a prophet. They were afraid to say maybe he's telling the truth. They were afraid... I I don't want to raise hands, but if you've ever been in a cult or been around a cult or been associated with people that have been in a cult, fear is the number one uh, feature. I'm afraid because I can't move. Jesus, the reason why He was so ticked off of the Pharisees wasn't because they had a bad reason for being around, but they had turned their faith into... A cult. Let me explain why. Jesus speaks in Matthew 23, 16 and 17. He says, he's speaking in, in chapter 23. It's 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 a. It's, uh, seven woes against the Pharisees. It's not a good chapter for the Pharisees. But in 16 and 17, he says, blind guides, what sorrow await awaits you for you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Cult. Now the Pharisees didn't start that way. The Pharisees had a point when they challenged Jesus and, and we have this point. So I, I want to tell you that sometimes we start our walk with God and our understanding with God with good reason, but it can slide into something that isn't healthy for us. Can I encourage you to, to open to Deuteronomy 13? This is a... this is. One, you know, one of the things that the, the Pharisees knew and we should know, in Deuteronomy 13 in the beginning, it says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if a sign or wonder spoken of, of takes place, The prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of the prophet or dreamer. Excuse me. He just said, if the prophet speaks and it happens, if the dreamer tells a dream and it happens, if somebody does a miracle and it happens, wait a minute. Isn't it a miracle? Doesn't it mean that if something supernatural happens, that I should follow and believe that person? Eh. What is my defense if I see somebody who gets healed? What is my defense if I see somebody have a word of knowledge and it come to a pass? Do I just blindly follow it? No! Does that mean that every miracle... Isn't of God? No. God does miracles. God is a healing God. God does speak words of correction, direction. What's the difference? See, if you've never read this, you're going, "I'm really confused, Pastor Dennis." I just want to follow all the good things that happen in my life. If somebody prays healing over me, I'm going to follow that person. You know why? Because I mean you healing again. Oh Lord, protect us from false teachers. Even if they do good stuff. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Well, do you? Or you just want to get healed? Whoa, whoa, Pastor Dennis. You're getting a little tight right here. Would you rather love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, or get healed? Now isn't that that a special statement today? Keep His commands and obey Him and serve Him and hold fast to Him. I don't know what that means. How do I serve Him? You know, I I want the goodies. How do I serve Him? Does anybody have an idea how I can find out how to serve God? Read the book! Read the book. Let His Word dwell in your heart. The reason why we get astray is because they don't know what His Word says. Everything we think, everything that happens to us should be measured by the Word of God. But pastor, it looks so good. Yeah. False prophets look really good. The prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery but he's tying back to their roots. You mean if I go for healing because it makes me feel good? If I go for prosperity because it makes me feel good that I could be going back to slavery? Darn (laughs) shooting. You must... Excuse me, let me do this. The prophet or dreamer Trying to turn you away from the Lord your God. Do you realize there's people trying to turn you away from loving the Lord your God? How rude! You, you, you must purge the evil from you. Who's responsible? Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg, he's the sheep, or he's the shepherd. He's the one that beats away the the, the wolf. Is that true? Oh, yeah. But who's supposed to purge stuff from inside you? Not me. <laughs> I got enough mess inside. You have to purge the crud inside of you. The desires to say, I'd rather have pleasure than let God work in my soul. Jesus Himself warned in Matthew 24. He said, Then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ. There He is. Do not believe Him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. And I, I I just put my highest card on the table. This is a matter of life and death for us. See, the Pharisees, here's the crazy part. Ready? I just said something that some of you still might be shaking. I submit to you that the, at the time of Jesus Christ, the Jewish faith was a cult. I've never thought of that before yesterday. But if it's a cult, what do you think the Pharisees are going to do when the truth comes? Do you think they're going to want the truth if they're living in a cult? (laughs) They're defending their position. They're defending their position because they don't want the truth to break up the cult. Their power. Their control. Wow. Yeah, they were watchdogs all right. So, I want to make sure I do this right. I, I told you why they were whispering, it was because there was a cult. I told you why the Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. And now, did I go up okay. Nope, I did. Never mind. Thank you. That's right. So, the, the last thing is why did Jesus come halfway during the. The thing, why did he crash his own party, right? If the the Feast of Sukkot, if that whole feast day is is about celebrating the presence of the living God in your life, why didn't Jesus come at the very beginning? Why did he come in the middle? Let's see what I said. I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew 21, verse 33. I think Jesus didn't accidentally miss the beginning of a festival that he'd been through every year of his life. Matthew 21 speaks about a story that Jesus says a little bit later. So the Feast of Sukkot, this feast that we're in right now, is six months before Jesus' actual death. And he says this, now listen to another story. This is verse 33. Matthew 21, 33 says, now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice and built a, a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to, to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At that time, the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his, his servants, beat one, stoned one, and stoned uh, killed one and stoned another. But so the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said one to another, "Here comes the heir uh, to the, this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves." So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and they murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he's going to do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Jesus asked them, did you ever read the scriptures? Didn't you ever read the scriptures? The stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces. And it will crush anyone it falls on. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees heard this parable. They realized he was telling the story about against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus a prophet. What a mess. Jesus goes into Jerusalem, goes into Israel, and he finds that his church, the church that was planted, the church that was established, in 1,300 years, turned to dust. It was run by corrupt politicians. It was run by evil people. It was run by people who built a cult. And we can blame them. I can blame them. I can blame them for deceiving them. And there's a judgment on them for deceiving God's people. But there's also a responsibility for each one of us, each one of God's people, to know the truth. Each one of us will be held accountable for what we know. Can you know? Can you know the truth? Do you know the difference between the truth and a lie? This is a time for us to repent. Father, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about you. See, part of the thing that I want to leave us with, I, I want to look and say, well, let me see, I might have one more page. No, oh, maybe, no, I don't. <laughs> I wish it was one more page I could tell you. Is there a miracle that I can be sure is from God? Is there a miracle that won't lead me into deception? Right? Are all miracles evil? Should I, should I be skeptical between before anything that happens? And can I tell you there's only one miracle that actually makes a difference and that is the miracle of the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you is the only miracle you need. All other things Not necessary. See, this feast, what Jesus was dealing with was He comes to the party. Did He make a difference? Did people know? He comes to the party of the presence of God. The God incarnate comes to the party for His celebration. He crashes His own party and nobody understands He's there. I just want to challenge us today. That are, are we hungering for the presence of God in our life? Or does it matter? This is a time for repentance. Father, challenge me. Cut deeply into my heart. I, I confess to you. I said this the last time I was here. The the Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And I I confess to you, I don't even know what that means. I don't know the depth of all. I'm I'm undone. I don't know. I'm always lacking. The Holy Spirit humbles us before Him in, in His presence. He draws us into that need of more. That there's never enough. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me that if you think you already know and you've done enough for God, get on your knees because you're not there yet. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that He might lift you up. These are the days we're living in. We're living in dark times. This is a time to come back to the Lord. This is a time to to dedicate ourselves before the Lord. This is a time to stand up, not in in your own strength. Oh my Lord, you have zero strength. But as promised from the very beginning, the God in me has strength. The God that I allow to dwell in me has strength. So, I want to challenge you let this be a time where you eat the Word of God, where you purpose to stay in the presence of God, that you humble yourself and pray that God would open your heart to Him more and more. Do not be satisfied. The blowing of the trumpet. The shofar was a time of waking up. I love you enough not to blow it. Every year they would say, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. They would blow the trumpets throughout Israel. And I want to encourage you, this is a time to wake up. When I was a young Christian, which is long, long time ago, We used to ask this question. If you were to die tonight, would you be in heaven? Well, wow. Tonight starts the Day of Atonement. It's... I mean, I know that that's not really real, is it? But what what if it was? Wouldn't that be fun? Would, Would there be a... A press on me to say, Lord, I want to make sure I'm right with you. I don't want to miss out. I I don't want to miss your word for me today. So I want to encourage you that you know the Day of Atonement is a day, it's a high, solemn day where we recognize that our redemption only comes by the hand of a loving God. Right? I hope you understand there's nothing I'm saying here out of meanness or bitterness or anger. I I love you guys. I, I I just want to speak the truth to you. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Father. true. Break break our heart for what's breaking yours. Help us to be men and women who uh, hunger for you. I ask, Father, that you would speak to the ears of your people, that you would give us visions and dreams and motivations that in this time of mess, that we wouldn't be distracted or, or moved away from your presence. I ask, Father, that you would allow each one of us to be drawn close into your into Your bosom, into your lap. I thank you for each one here. I, I pray, Father, that you would protect us against the schemes of the enemy. I pray, Father, that you would speak your words of love and value, acceptance, that you would draw us close to you. Today, we choose to give you glory and honor because you're worthy of it. We give you praise, and we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.